Hey everybody, it's Danny. I want to say thank you for tuning in to the Heartway Podcast. And I want to give a special thanks to those of you who are tuning in from really all over the world. We're so grateful that you are a part of our community and that you listen in on an ongoing basis. If you've been encouraged by what you've heard, I want to ask you to share this with a friend. You never know the impact that one of these messages can have in another person's life. And if you yourself have been impacted and you'd like to continue to partner with us to keep this work going, Check us out at heartwaychurch.com slash give. Every dollar that you give goes a really long way towards helping us do what it is that we do. Well, we love you. Really hope you enjoy the podcast. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. How are you? Everybody all right? So good to see your beautiful faces. Another Sunday. Wow. Welcome in, everybody. I know all the Hispanic people had a hard time with today because we actually started on time. (laughs) So when y'all came in, you were like, what is going on here? Because I know y'all be home in the morning like, oh, no, they always start at like 11.10. I got time. Not no more. It was painful, though, during the first song. I turned back and I told Amanda, this is, this is painful. But, you know, our, our fearless tech leader, Mario, said, I'm done playing games and we're going to start being prompt. So let's see how long this lasts and hopefully we can work together and make it happen. So happy that you guys are here. If it's your first time, welcome. My name is Danny. I'm the pastor of Heartway. Started this community uh, about seven and a half years ago. And we are a contemplative spiritual community that is centered on love. Everything that we do, everything we talk about is about self-discovery and social transformation. And those two things are deeply intertwined because to know God requires you to know yourself. And as you come to know yourself at deeper and deeper levels, you come to know God. And so that's why we gather here every week to learn more about who we are, to learn more about who God is within the context of community, because we learn from one another, too, and we pick up things from one another along the way. And today's discussion is going to be around the theme of ambition, which is something that I've been really chewing on for a while now. It's interesting because in a lot of spiritual texts, ambition is actually portrayed as a negative trait. I remember reading years ago a quote from a Trappist monk who's Catholic by the name of Thomas Merton. And he said, when ambition ends, happiness begins. I remember reading that and I was so confused because everything about our world and our culture amplifies ambition as something that's good and positive. And there are a lot of good and positive things about ambition. Listen, I've been on Hinge for the last two years. I see what y'all write on there. I see what y'all write on there. I need me a man who's ambitious. I need me a man who's going somewhere, who's doing something with his life, okay? I need you to have goals. I get it. I understand. It's true. When we, when we look for a partner, oftentimes... That's a trait that we want. We want a partner who's ambitious, who's, who's driven by something. When we're raising kids, right, we want our kids to be ambitious. We don't want you to just be lazy and do nothing with your life. 
We want you to shoot for the stars. So there's a dilemma. There's a paradox here because if we want to make something of our lives, if we want to do something of significance, well, we need a little bit of ambition. But when it comes to spirituality, ambition oftentimes can be a distraction. It can keep you on the surface level of existence, never diving deep into the things that actually matter the most. If you're not careful, ambition can keep you in a state of constant dissatisfaction. But when you open yourself up to the spiritual dimension of life, you do that because you're seeking something different than the constant restlessness and dissatisfaction that comes from the rat race. You want contentment. You want satisfaction. You want peace. You don't always want to be chasing after something. Now, constant dissatisfaction may get you results, but it's not going to get you peace. So what do we do here? Like for me with the gym, a lot of people who work out, it's funny, they'll say they have like body dysmorphia. These people are ripped, super lean, but then they look at themselves in the mirror and it's never enough. But in a very weird way, because these people are sick in the head and they never think it's good enough, they keep pushing harder and they get more results and they get better. So how do we hold this intention? How do we bring ambition and spirituality together in harmony? Because ambition is not a bad thing. Ambition can actually be a very good thing if the person who walks with God has it. If you're a man after God's own heart, if you're a woman after God's own heart, then ambition is a wonderful thing for you to have. Through your ambition, God wants to give birth to some beautiful things in this world. Things that have never been seen before. Things that only you can birth into the world. But how do we not lose the plot in the process? Ambition and spirituality. What I've come to find is that the key to, to the whole thing is to let God govern your ambition instead of letting your ambition govern you. And that's an important nuance to make. Let God govern your ambition instead of letting your ambition govern you. Look at this passage of scripture from the New Testament. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, see, it's kind of hard to use the word ambition and humility in the same sentence sometimes, right? Especially the way the world does ambition. Ambition and humility, that doesn't really seem like it matches because sometimes the people who are the most ambitious you know are the most cocky or we'll just say confidence you know <laughs> do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit rather in humility value others above yourselves not looking to your own interests but each of you to the interests of others why do i love this passage of scripture so much because what it's telling us is that ambition isn't the problem. Selfish ambition is the problem. Selfish ambition is when you want to win so bad and you want to succeed so bad that you're willing to attain that by any means necessary. Even if that means stepping over people, hurting people in the process for your own personal gain. That's selfish ambition. I have to win at all costs. 
And if you're not with me, you better get out of my way because I'm going to just run you over. It doesn't matter who you are. It could be family. It could be friends. It could be the people closest to you. If you get in the way of my goal, you're a problem. You need to be discarded. And so selfish ambition brings this out of you. Selfish ambition makes you the center of the universe. It's all about you. And it's all about how I'm seen in the eyes of other people. Life is not just about getting what you want. The way you get it matters too. How you go about getting what you want and you desire matters. Because what goes around comes around. Right? The way you treat people, that's going to boomerang back to you. And so if you make an idol out of your ambition to the point where you're willing to do whatever by any means necessary to attain your goal, even if it means stepping on people in the process, you better believe you will reap what you sow at some point. And so it's not just about getting what you want. It's about how you go about doing it, too. That's how spirituality can end up transforming and changing your ambition to inspiration. And that's when a lot of things begin to unravel in a very positive way in your life. So how are you going about getting the things that you want? And also, ask yourself the question, why do I want the things that I want anyways? So when it comes to this conversation of ambition, ask yourself why. Okay, this is what I want. This is what I'm dreaming for. This is what I desire. This is the goal that I see for myself. This is where I'm headed. Why? Why do you want these things? Clarify that. Because for a lot of people, the reason why they're driven and they're ambitious is really because they're insecure. Because they feel inferior on the inside, they need to set themselves up as being superior on the outside above others. And then you get into this competition mode with people. It's all about winning or losing. The whole thing becomes a competition. But life is not about winning or losing. It's about enjoying the game, enjoying the process. Don't get so caught up in having to win that now you're always just comparing yourself to other people, always moving forward towards some result, never living in the moment, always have your mind somewhere else other than here and now, never content, never satisfied. Have you thought about the fact that sometimes ambition can be driven by insecurity? And then when you meet your goals, you get to where you want to go, you're still going to be insecure when someone else has more. And when someone else steps into your world who has accomplished more or who has attained more, that insecurity is still going to be there. And this is how people end up with the whole world, but they've lost their soul. Never happy, never at peace. I was listening to an interview with Jim Carrey. Everybody loves Jim Carrey. Yeah. Super funny guy. And he's gone through this like spiritual awakening. And he talks about it in a bunch of interviews. And I saw an interview with him recently where the person asked him, what's next? Like, do you have anything planned? And Jim Carrey looked at this person and said, I'm going to tell you something that probably no other celebrity has ever said to you before. And he looks at this person and he says, I have done enough. I have enough. 
I am enough. And so for now, I just really want to paint. <laughs> That's what he said. Isn't that awesome? Some of us, we can't even fathom what that looks like to be able to say, I have enough. I've done enough. I am enough. And of course, he's towards the end of his career. He's about to retire. He literally has done a lot. You know, the other side of that is you don't need to say that too early. You know what I mean? Go do something with your life for God, for love, for the common good. But at some point, will you ever feel like you have enough? You know, so ambition keeps you on that hamster wheel where no matter what, it's never enough. A lot of other people are driven and they're ambitious because they need validation and approval from other people. And that's what actually drives them to be as ambitious as they are. Because if I don't do something amazing, if I don't achieve and accomplish and succeed, I'm not going to be happy with myself. Because I've always attached my worth to my progress and my performance. Well, if I don't stand out from the crowd, if I'm just another number, if I'm just like everybody else, well, I'm not going to feel special. And if other people don't think highly of me, I'm not going to think highly of myself. And so my need and my drive and my desire to be ambitious is really just connected to this insecurity and this need for me to be approved of and validated by other people. So can you see how ambition can be a problem when it goes in that direction? And this is what some of us, it's all we know. This is all we've ever heard about when it comes to ambition. This is the only way we know how to be ambitious. Where does spirituality come into the picture? Well, to be spiritual doesn't mean you don't have to be ambitious. Spirituality doesn't kill ambition. It, it simply changes your motive behind it. Spirituality does not kill your ambition. It changes your motive behind it. So I love this quote by William Carey. He was a missionary. He said, Expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. This is what I call holy ambition. So there's selfish ambition, and then there's holy ambition. Holy ambition is about attempting great things for God. Instead of your ambition governing you, God is governing your ambition. Holy ambition is when you give your life to a cause that is, that is greater than yourself. It's ambition that is connected to purpose and service. So when you're operating from a place of holy ambition, it's not just about you anymore. Now, all of your success, all of your wealth, all of your resources, all of the forward movement and progress that you have in life is deeply intertwined and interconnected with the well-being of others around you. So it's not just you going to the top. You bring people with you. You help people in the process. You're here to make a positive impact through what you do. So it's not just about fame. It's about fulfillment. Now it's not just about the money. It's about mission. You're here to make a difference. And you utilize whatever it is you do in life, whatever domain of life that may be. 
If you're an accountant, if you're a police officer, or if you're a pastor, or if you're a teacher, or if you're a realtor, or if you're a musician, or if you're a yoga teacher, whatever it is that you do, it doesn't even have to be spiritual in nature, but everything is spiritual. So you make it that. Right? You bring this love into what you do. You bring this compassion into what you do. You bring this divine creativity and inspiration into all that you do. And you utilize all that you do in life to help other people. That's holy ambition. And you make an impact not just by what you do and the service that you offer to others, but primarily by who you are as an individual. So it's who you are that becomes this attractive force in the world. People are drawn to work with you. They want to give you business. They want to partner with you. They want to collaborate with you because of who you are. That's the difference. And when somebody can trust you because they know you're not shady and you're not out to get them because all you care about is you having more. That's not a given in this world, obviously. I, I, I was very naive for a long time. I just thought everybody just has a great heart and wants to help. And it's like, no, actually, it's not how it is. It's funny. There's this dude who used to come to the church, older gentleman by the name of Carl. He was a, he was a deeply devoted Catholic, but he would come to Hartway all the time. And there was a time when I was selling my car years ago. And Carl was looking for a car. And so I tell him, hey, meet me at the gym. You can take a look at the car, and then we can discuss a price for the car. And this guy, he sees the car, and then he's like, okay, how much, Danny? And I said, uh, let's say $5,000. And he says, no, you're not going to rip me off, Danny. He's like, I know what you're doing here. He's like, he just went straight into business mode, like I guess how he normally does it. I didn't take it personal because I know he probably does this all the time, but he thought, I was trying to hustle him a little bit or something because that's just how it goes. I'm like, Carl, come on, dude, really? I'm not trying to hustle you, bro. Like, I need a down payment for the Tessie. Can you just take care of this, man? It's not, a, it's not really, you know, that's all I'm trying to do. This is the value of the car. But he thought there was some underlying motives there because people have underlying motives. That's the reality of it. You know what I mean? So how amazing. What a relief is it for people to be able to encounter individuals who they care more about relationship than revenue. Think about that. That is making a difference in this world. You know, you're, you're somebody that you genuinely care for people. You're interested in their well-being, like that scripture that we read. In humility, you value others above yourself. So that's going to literally affect and infect the way that I go about doing my business, the way that I go about doing things in the marketplace. That's, that's, it's so refreshing, and it's so rare to find people with that kind of a heart. And so that's how spirituality transforms your ambition and you begin to affect people positively just by who you are. There's an author by the name of David Brooks, and he talks about something called um, eulogy virtues and resume virtues. Okay, there's a difference between having resume virtues or eulogy virtues. Some of us only live to build up and establish our resume virtues. So this has to do with your competency. 
resume virtues is about your gifts and your talents and the skills that you bring to business and the marketplace. And it's good to have a long list of resume virtues. Eulogy virtues, though, are something totally different. Eulogy virtues are those virtues that people highlight at your funeral. The stuff that ultimately really matters when it comes to being a human being. Were you kind? Were you honest? Were you authentic? Were you loving? Were you compassionate? Were you courageous? If you start living for eulogy virtues, that's going to impact the world in a positive way. That's going to change the way you go about thinking about this theme of success and ambition and wealth. None of these things are bad. Spirituality doesn't mean you discard this, but it transforms your motive and your intention behind it. You understand now this principle that God blesses you so that you can be a blessing to other people. It's not just supposed to stop with you. You're supposed to be a channel, a vessel, so that it flows through you. And if God knows it can flow through you, guess what? It's going to continue to be poured out into you. And this has to do with money and also other things like just kindness and compassion and peace. You spread peace, you get peace. You spread love, you get love. You spread happiness, you get happiness. And you get a double portion. Because that's the way that God works. You help people, God starts helping you in some incredible ways. You start experiencing aid and assistance and help in ways that you never thought were possible because you're not just living for you. You're here to lift other people up in the process too. It's interesting when it comes to Heartway, for years now, a lot of people, you know, if we'll go to dinner, they'll ask me, how's Heartway doing? A lot of people ask me like, okay, where are you going with Heartway? What are we doing with Heartway? What's next with Heartway? And I've had this weird relationship with ambition and my spirituality. Oftentimes with Heartway, I'm trying to find better ways to say this because people look at me like I'm talking Chinese. But what I've said for a while is, you know, I don't have a lot of ambition with Heartway. Because there's a part of me that doesn't want to taint this with ambition. The selfish ambition. That's so norm. You know, so normal. It's like the, the, the purity of this and what this is is exactly because... I don't want anything from you. <laughs> it's exactly because I'm not doing this for me or for Heartway or to get bigger or whatever. It's not about that. It's genuinely for the love of the people. That's, what, that's the heart of it. I don't want to ruin that. I don't want to ruin the purity of that with ambition. But God has had to teach me, yes, that's good. You're talking about selfish ambition, and we don't want to be that. And you're not that. Now let's flip the switch to holy ambition. Expect great things from God and achieve great things for God. When God is the one that governs your ambition, you can be ambitious because it's not about you. And then whether it ends up being the success that you want it to be or not, that ultimately doesn't matter. If externally it doesn't work out the way that you envision, that ultimately doesn't matter. What matters is are you loving what you're doing and doing what you love and helping people in the process? What matters is, are you enjoying this? That ultimately is what is key. There's a story I heard about three wise men that came to 
the door of a house. And the woman steps outside and says, hey, who are you? And one of the men uh, speaks up and he says, well, this is influence. This is success. And I'm love. Is your husband home? And the woman says, yeah, let me go inside and talk to him. She talks to her husband, tells her husband that these three men are outside. And the husband says, great, why don't you invite them in? So the woman goes outside. She looks at influence, success, and love. And she says, hey, my husband would like to invite you inside. We're going to make dinner for you. And the main wise person, love, said, well, there's a caveat here. We can only come in one at a time. So you can only invite one of us in. So she goes back in, talks to her husband. She says, for some reason, they're saying you can only come in one at a time. Who should we invite in? And the woman says, I want to invite in influence. And the husband says, well, what about success? We should invite success inside this home. And the daughter overheard them talking and said, no, we, we need more love in this family. Let's invite love inside. And they said, okay, fine, we'll invite love inside. So the woman goes outside and says, all right, love, would you please come inside? We'd love to have you. As soon as love starts walking in through the door, success and influence was right there behind him. And she said, wait a second, what's going on here? I thought only one of you can come in at a time. And the wise man said, well, if you would have invited success, he would have come in by himself. If you would have invited influence, he would have come in by himself. But because you invited in love, anywhere love goes, Success and influence will follow. And that's why we're all coming in at the same time. See, when you're being true to who you are, when you're connected to your source, when you're living from this open heart space, you naturally attract to you everything that is for you. I love that scripture that says, God prepares a table before me. God is preparing that table before you. Our problem is we want to have it all. We want to have it all now. And we got to do whatever it takes to get it ourselves. We think it's all up to us. And we get our priorities wrong because like Jesus said, if you seek first the kingdom of heaven, everything else will be added to you. So how does spirituality transform our ambition? Well, it rearranges your priorities and it rearranges what you value. Sure, you still have those resume virtues that you value tremendously, but it's the eulogy virtues that you're living for now. And now, because you're emphasizing and prioritizing your character, how you're showing up in the world, God honors that. God blesses that. And you know what the scriptures say? If you humble yourself, God will exalt you in due time. In due time. Humble yourself. God will exalt you. God is the one who promotes you. So I don't have to do this ambition thing with all the stress and anxiety and restlessness that comes from trying to compete and keep up and always get better and always get to the next thing because my identity is attached to how much I have and how people see me and the validation that I get. None of that stuff. You can release it now because you know God is the one who promotes me. God is the one who lifts me up in due time. There's another story about a monkey who was in a house, and he sees a jar full of nuts. 
And he puts his hand inside and he grabs a handful of nuts. He tries to take his hand out of the jar and he can't because it's a really narrow jar. And then there's another wise monkey friend who says, hey, buddy, that's not going to work. You got to let go of what's in your hand. And the monkey refused to do it. He was trying to get his hand out of the jar with a handful of nuts and it wasn't working. Finally, he listened to the wise monkey. He let go of what was in his hand, took his hand out of the jar, and the other monkey just said, here you go. See, selfish ambition, when you operate from a place of selfish ambition, you're like the monkey that puts his hand in the jar. You're trying to get as much as you can out of this anxiety. Out of this anxiety. I have to, I have to do, you know, whatever. Keep up with this person or whatever. But if you would just let go and let God take you where he wants to take you, God already knows where he wants you. Your destiny is your destiny. Good luck running away from it. God knows where he wants to take you. You just got to trust him in the process of how he's going to get you there. And I promise you, it is not going to look how you think it's going to look. So God will probably deposit into you the final picture. This is how I want it to look in the end. But you got to realize that the way you're going to get from here to there is not going to be the way that you plan it. That's where we got to let go of our dreams and our desires and our own selfish ambition and say, God, I'm going to let this happen in your way, in your timing. I'm going to release outcomes into your hands. What does that allow me to do now? To put a hyper focus on doing what I love loving what I do, and helping other people in the process. Think about how amazing it would be to wake up every morning and feel that. And like I've said before, even if you're not in the career path that you can say, I absolutely love this, but you know what? It provides for me. You can still bring love into what you do and love what you do. Even if you're doing something that you feel is menial, insignificant, or you're not even that passionate about, but it happens to be paying the bills and take care of things. There is a way for you to do what you love, love what you do, and help people in the process. And also, you may need to consider, what if I need to switch this whole thing up? What if this path is bringing in the money that I need? to make this operation happen, but I'm actually really not fulfilled and my heart is pulling me in another direction that's gonna take a lot of risk and courage and change and people aren't gonna understand it and it may not make sense, but I gotta follow my bliss. If I want my soul to come alive, I need to follow this calling. That may need to be you too, but if you're too obsessed with the external rat race stuff, You'll never take that jump. You'll never take that leap of faith. Take the leap of faith. See what happens. What if it doesn't work out? It'll always work out because at least if you do it and it doesn't turn out the way you want it to, what you're going to learn through that process, what you're going to gain is going to be so invaluable for whatever the next thing is. You take all of it with you. So think about it like this. Instead of you being ambitious for yourself, Let God be ambitious for you. What do I mean by that? If you pay attention to the nature of our universe, you will notice that there is a forward-moving, creative, evolutionary impulse that is embedded into reality. 
There is a forward movement that is just natural. It is the way things are. Nobody has to do anything to force it to be that way. It is how it is. So an embryo doesn't have to be ambitious to become an infant. A seed doesn't have to be ambitious to become a flower. An acorn doesn't have to become ambitious to become an oak tree. It's just naturally embedded in the way of things. In the same way, you have been created with an evolutionary impulse. There is a forward movement to your life that you cannot help. Just look at your body over the years. You know what I mean? Really. That's how it is. There is a forward movement. You are evolving whether, whether you want to or not. You don't have to force it. You don't have to make it happen yourself. It's really just something that you allow to occur. So the key is for you to live in a state of alignment that allows life to unfold as it will. That's what's most important. You stay connected to God. God takes care of the rest. That's first things first. You stay connected to your heart's passion. You leave everything else into the hands of God. You don't have to be overly stressed and anxious about what the next thing is. Because if you're moving, if you're taking action, God's going to direct you and steer you in the way that you should go. And that's really all that's necessary is that you're staying connected on the inside and that you're taking action. Because God cannot steer a parked car. So you just put the thing in drive. That's it. And enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride. One more story about a general and his army. They went out to war. A lot of the men died in battle. But when they went back home, the, the few who survived, and they started telling the people of their hometown the story, everybody started celebrating the general and the army as victors. Even though the majority of these individuals died in the battlefield, everybody back home said, we are victors. Why? Because what they were saying was that not one soldier died with his back turned from the enemy. All of them died facing forward. They died facing their enemy. They fell forward. And for the people, that was so honorable. That was something that was so dignifying that it was worth more than winning. To be able to give your all to something and say, I'm not going to run away. I'm going to face it. I'm going to move forward in the face of the fear. I'm going to have courage. That's the whole thing right there. As you pursue your holy ambitions, it's not about what the end result is anymore. What matters is I'm courageous enough not to run away from what God's calling me to just because it's scary. If I'm going to fail, I'm going to fail going forward. I'm not going to hide because I'm scared of not succeeding, which can happen. That can happen. I'm just not going to do anything because it's safer. I'd rather play it safe. I'm going to play small when God has put so much power in you. 
and so much skill in you and so much love and creativity in you. So the commitment that we're making is no matter what, I'm going to fall forward. I'm not going to run away. I'm going to be courageous. I'm going to be strong. I'm going to fall forward. The most precious resource that we have in life is time. Why? Because we don't have a lot of it. So what are you doing with the time that you have? Find your holy ambition. If you don't wake up with a sense of purpose, you're missing out on life. Find your holy ambition. And it doesn't have to be something big. Some people's purpose may be as small as every person that I'm going to meet today is going to get a smile and a hug and a how are you. And I'm going to make a difference that way. And that is just as powerful and significant as the person who is a philanthropist throwing money at all the nonprofits. That is just as important as significant. When I was in college, Palm Beach Atlantic University, it was a Christian university, and there was a guy who used to clean in the cafeteria. His name was Christian. And he would always go from table to table every day. And he would say, can I share with you the verse of the day? And he would memorize Bible verses every morning and share them with every table in college. You know, and some kids would make fun of Christian. Other kids would be like, man, this is, he's, what, a, what a good heart. You know, and he passed away. His whole story is very interesting. I'll tell it another time. But one of the things that Christian always used to say, and I remember this years later, and I'm, I don't have good memory, but I still remember this years later with this guy. He would say, when, when I would ask him, how you doing, Christian? He would say, I'm blessed by the best. I'm blessed by the best. You, do you want to hear the verse of the day? He just did that like a robot on autopilot. A <laughs> couple years later, he passed away. They created a plaque for this man at PBA, a plaque that in the bottom says, blessed by the best, Christian. You telling me that's not a life of purpose and significance and meaning and holy ambition? See, we, we, our metrics are all screwed up because we allow culture to define for us what it means to really have purpose and ambition and success. But it could, every part of the body is equally valid and important. We need the people who are willing to do the small things. And then we need the people who are crazy enough to do the big things. And then we need to all understand, if it weren't for us working together, this thing wouldn't be able to run. That's how it works with church. That's how it works with business. That's how it works with everything. Find your holy ambition. You may have to start small. Eventually, it'll grow big. Just make the commitment that what you're going to do is stay connected to purpose live a life of helping other people, you're going to be blessed to be a blessing to others. And no matter what, doesn't matter how many times you fail or you stumble along the way, you're going to fall forward every time. You're going to get up and you're going to keep going because you know God has a plan for me and it's a good plan for me and I'm going to trust the way that he decides to let it unfold. Let's pray. God, in this moment, I pray that you would inspire us with holy ambition. Fill us, God, with your 
spirit of love and power and creativity so that we can go out into this world filled with purpose and meaning and live lives of service, giving ourselves to a cause greater than ourself, your kingdom's cause. And as we become a blessing, as we help those around us, as we humble ourselves and allow you to promote us, keep our heart in the right place, keep our motives pure. And I ask God that you would expand us and increase us. We welcome all of the good in life. We welcome the success. We're open to the abundance. But may we never lose the plot and always remember that it's not about us. It's about you. So we will expect great things from you and achieve great things for you. May you govern our ambition so that our ambition does not govern us. Light us on fire with your holy ambition. Amen. Amen. Okay, guys, thank you for coming. I hope you got something out of today. Have a great week. Catch you next Sunday.